Alright, so in this episode, uh, I want to talk about organizational health. Uh, Nadia just wrote a, a post about、um, the health of an open source project and how we measure it,、uh, whether it's by contributors or activity or output.、Uh, it just got me thinking about how we measure that in a church、um, and what's the relationship between church growth and health,、um, like popularity in an open source project versus.、Um, Health or sustainability. It's interesting because I feel like, I, even though I believe that we should be measuring project activity and, and output over number of contributors, I still fall. It's just like an easier thing to visualize when you talk about like people coming to your project or leaving your project as a sign of health.、Um, and yeah, even as we've, we've talked about this with church stuff of like bringing people into your congregation and like who's attending, how many people are there.、Um, so it's just like such an easy visual to fall back on. But yeah, the stuff I was writing about was. Trying to make the case that number of contributors or number of attendees or whatever like, doesn't really matter. What matters more is like, what are you actually producing and putting out,、uh, which actually relates. I was just thinking to that book called A Commitment about like, they purposely kept a really small congregation because they were like, yeah, we don't, it doesn't matter. We don't need to like, inflate this with a bunch of fake numbers. Like, it's really about.、Um, but then I was thinking, yeah, for church stuff, like, how would you even measure, what would output even really be in a church if it's not the number of people attending or listening? Yeah, I, I think, yeah, it's in, the, in that book.、Um, well, I guess they, they just cared a lot about the,、um, I guess, the individual people. Like, we, we, it's all about, like, how well are they doing, like, mentally or spiritually.、Um, and so we don't want, like, I guess, shallowness or just, like, numbers, like what you said. Even though it's, like, an easy way to wait. Way to think about it. Like, oh, as long as we have more people, that means probably more people are tithing, and that means that we're going to sustain this thing because if we don't have money, then it's not going to work anymore.、Um, but I think for, I guess, output,、um, yeah, I think it's really hard to quantify, which is why I don't know if we can use attendance because, you know, people can go to church all, every week. That doesn't mean they're any closer to God or other people.、Um, Yeah. But what is a church's output? Like for an open source project, it's easier to make the argument and say, like, code is ultimately your output, and that's why you can measure it based on like PRs or commits or whatever, versus number of people contributing. But like, yeah, what's the equivalent that a church is trying to put out if not trying to, like, I don't know, touch people, basically? I mean, even with open source, like, just because we're adding more code doesn't mean, like, well, I guess there's like the mission of the project versus, like, Is it still going? Like, we can make PRs all day that all they do is update dependencies and it looks like it's really active, but,、um, are people actually getting benefit from it? Are, are, that's more of like a measure of like how useful something is.、Um, and maybe, I don't know if those are conflated or it's hard to know the difference sometimes. And at church, it's the same where like, you would think that if there are more people coming, Then maybe that means that more people can serve or more people can help the community that that church is a part of.、Um, I think our output is, is hard because, yeah, it, it shouldn't be about like, oh, you know, people attended this much, they gave this much money, because then it becomes about like themselves, I guess. And it's like, how is it about like helping others or、uh, individually, how are they growing in? In Christ. So that means that,、um, there, how do we differentiate between knowing God, like at an academic point of view, versus like actually knowing Him, like from a relational view? 
And so the problem is you can't really, it's hard to measure. Like basically it's saying like how, how well is your relationship with your church or God or other people? And that, that's hard to measure in any relationship, right? Yeah. I don't know that there is like a, like a metric in that way. Thinking like with open source projects, there's the, and talk about some of my posts of like the like latest commit as being this like really quick heuristic of like, when's the last time this thing was updated? And I'm trying to think of what would the equivalent be if someone like walked into a church they'd never been to before and been like, oh, I know this is the place for me, but it's kind of an intangible thing, right? It's like, it just feels right or like the vibe of it or whatever. Um, so yeah, in that sense, I don't really know if there is like, if it's the same. Yeah, I guess it's, I mean, I, I think about it, it's it's almost like, you know, doing an interview for someone, like getting a job or um, whether you should work at that company. And it's like, all I did was look at their website and now I'm going to figure out whether I want to be there from that. Same as like, they people decide whether to use a project based on like, so many random things, right? Like how many stars they have or, or yeah, if their last commit was an hour ago versus like a month ago. And in a church, it's like, you just go in, then you see certain people or you heard something. But I almost feel like you have to spend more time to know that. Um, and to like kind of be there for the whole service if they were talking about church. And it's weird because, um, it kind of reminds me of now there's like this term that people use called church hopping, um, which is, I would say is a negative term of people not being willing to commit to something because it doesn't fit them. Hmm. And not that fit, trying to find a fit is bad or anything, but it's like, it's really easy for people to like, I don't think anywhere fits me. And so I'm going to just keep going place to place. They're never like actually committed to a local body. It's kind of just like, I, I want to like keep getting from it versus like, you're not, at that point, you're probably not even thinking about like, how am I going to give back? It's just like, I want, I need something that like makes me like feel good about myself kind of thing. Is that a new behavior? Church shopping? Um, I, I think the term is pretty relatively recent. I'm not going to say like, like last years or something. It's been for a, a little while. Like, is it like trending towards more people doing it? And if so. Especially if it's like you're moving to a new city, you're trying to find the thing. But it's more of a, it's not like you should be diligent about finding a good church for you. Maybe you go to one or two or three, whatever. But it's more like if it becomes a behavior of like, oh, you're actually like every, like this week, I'll go here. And then this other week, I'll go here. Um, and you're doing that for like a whole year or something. Um, maybe that's normal. And I don't think it, that's, that's healthy, right? Because that means that like, Everyone is kind of loosely connected and we're trying to find like deeper connections wait, with each other and, you know, with the church or open source project. Um, and I think the symptom is kind of this consumerist mentality, um, you know, like joining a club or, you know, buying something or going to the mall, those kind of ideas. And like kind of that kind of almost got caught up in, in the church where people are like, oh, I do these things in my rest of my life like this. And so with church, I'm going to do the same thing, like go here and there. Yeah, I mean, it feels like that's a thing that people are experiencing beyond church or open source or whatever, just sort of how does how does the world around you serve you versus how do you be a part of it or be an active participant in it? Um, yeah, I think that's like a really hard question that everyone is, is grappling with right now. We were talking about this a little bit about like, how to bring that feeling of like localization or local communities to an internet context where I think like, I don't know, it feels like the early promise of the internet was that 
you're connected to this like global community and borders are going to break down and we're just going to be part of this one big happy family on the internet and there's like peace on earth or whatever um and i feel like in reality we're coming to this like hard realization that like a more localized community is actually really really important for people to feel grounded in some shape or form and you can't just like scale this thing to like some massive global scale um yeah so i i wonder like it's interesting that people are church hopping because i feel like church would be an example of something where people could feel a little bit more like localized um it makes sense in like an open source context though i think just Mm. because like you're using so many more projects than you did before and there's so many more choices that like and i feel like github in particular has just made it so easy to hop around from like one product to another that and i think that's like some of the conflict between like earlier open source and now is like the the earlier ones had like smaller groups of developers that were just like you know knew each other better and like had yeah just more like context for each other and now like you can just use things or hop in say something and go on to the next project um, but I don't know if, if it's realistic for open source, at least to expect that people will like find a community to settle into. Like that might just be the way it is. Um, yeah, I guess that's different. Like I wouldn't expect someone to be committed to multiple churches. That seems kind of yeah unintuitive or just doesn't make sense. But open source, yeah, I can see you being like, I'm a maintainer of multiple projects or you're a contributor to multiple projects. And then also those projects are like related to each other. And not every project is, like, a huge thing that you have to spend all your time in, right? Like, mm-hmm. you could have smaller uh, And there's, like, projects. a meta community there, right? I mean, yeah. you're, like, part of, like, a JavaScript community. And within JavaScript, there's, like, right. other, like, smaller subcultures. Um, I was musing with someone about this with, um, like, open source in general and sort of, like, why, why has, uh, like... Earlier, open source kind of had this, like, coherent sense of what open source was, and now there aren't that many people thinking about, like, open source on, like, a meta level. Um, and you see this actually with, like, open source conferences. Like, conferences that are just about open source in general are kind of, like, declining in popularity because people are going to conferences that are about, like, a specific ecosystem or language or framework or whatever. Um, and so, yeah, I feel like... Like, open source has become so popular now that it's become just so much more nuanced that there isn't, like, a giant open source community because it's like, well, everything is open source, but, like, now you affiliate with these, like, smaller things. But then people kind of forget to, like, there are some behaviors that are pervasive across open source, like, around, I don't know, yeah, community management or project management and things like that. And, like, no one is really thinking about it because no one really affiliates with the idea of, like, open source in general anymore, Um, even though that's probably a good thing long term yeah i think that's really interesting like when when something kind of like not splits up but like it's, it gets so big that there has there is like subgroups or whatever and then they kind of focus on their own thing and they should because they have different you know goals or whatever but then it's like there are also people that want to like bring that back and that we can all learn from each other and so with church it's the same it's like each um church is its own little you know community like and it should be local um and i don't think it makes sense to kind of have the same quote message to every church like it is the same we all have the same values or goals or whatever but then the way you present that to people has to be local and so i i was reading this um tweet um from james k smith and he was saying that 
that when you like say if a pastor is preaching or whatever, he doesn't give a generic message to a person. Basically, because then I would su- assume that like you don't even have to be there. You could do a like a live stream sermon online, and anyone in the world can listen to you. But it's like that person should know all the people in their congregation, you know, what they're dealing with and all that stuff. So that's like, who are these people? Where are they at? And then, what, like, what time period is this in? And so that, that that's like super high contextual, right? It's like um, all those things matter in what you're trying to say to people versus just some generic like um, thing. Kind of like uh, I think you mentioned, like it's you know we don't want to turn church into like this McDonald's franchise kind of thing. We're like it's all the like anywhere you go, it's like the same thing. It's like kind of, but then they all, they all roots back to the same like overall goal but then specifically it's like that it needs to you know cater to those people that are there hmm. it's a hard balance because i yeah. mean there's there are some yeah i don't know like there are some benefits to feeling like you can be home wherever you are like it's something i really like about having like internet friends or like any i've been traveling around a bunch this month and like any city i go to it's just like oh i like know people there and i can always feel kind of at home like, my social group is bigger than just the physical city I live in. Um, but at, at the same time, like, I know that going back to San Francisco is, like, going home. And that's, like, a really nice thing. Um, and, yeah, I guess, like, with, like, I don't know. I wasn't raised in a very, like, um, well, I don't know if that's true. I guess it's sort of baffled me a little bit with, like, Christianity. And, like, uh, you can... You can identify as a Christian, but you also identify with, like, your denomination, and you also mm-hmm. might identify with your church. And so you do have these multiple layers of community where, yeah, if I go to another – so, like, I went to, like, Quaker High School, and, like, I've gone to Quaker meeting in other cities and other countries, and it's it's nice to do because they're like, oh, I can, like, you know, find a meeting for worship in some other country – um, but it's, like, not the same at all. I think also maybe because people practice Quakerism just in, like, very different ways around the world. Uh, but it's also, like, not your people. And, like, in particular, um, in Quakerism, it's, like, you, like, meeting for worship, at least the way that I did it in Pennsylvania. Um, you, like, sit in silence and you only stand when you're moved to speak. And there's no, like, there's no pastor. There's no, like, program or anything. It's, like, everyone is basically, like, meditating in silence for an hour. Um and you just, like, stand, you reflect on something, and then you, like, sit back down. Um, and that makes it, like, a very intimate thing that you're doing with, like, other people in your community. Because, like, if someone stands and speaks, you're like, oh, I know that person. I know why they're thinking about the thing they're thinking about. But if you're in, like, another country and some random person stands up and reflects on their week, you're just kind of like, I don't really know. I mean, it's nice to hear, but it's, like, it's just not the same. Um, but at the same time, I still feel an affiliation if I went to another country. And I'm like, oh, you're Quaker. Like, I know Quakers. Um yeah, I don't know. It's weird. I don't know, like, where you always like draw that dividing line between uh, how do we share the same affiliation as like in one way, but in other ways, I know that we're not really the same. Community. Yeah. No, I, those are good points. I, I think that's the benefit of a denomination or something like that structure. You know, maybe there's a network of churches or denominations that you're part of, and if you're in that, and you are when you yeah when you do travel, you can like kind of vaguely know that they either believe the same things or do service in the same way and that's that's good um i guess it's just saying that like it shouldn't literally be the same everywhere yeah it's not and like kind of like what you said like you have people like that you actually know versus just like some you know random anonymous person yeah it's not it's not like literally the same friends or something in every city but it's its own flavor wherever you go 
I feel like it's such a hard balance to achieve because there is some value to like a universality of experience, but you don't want to be so universal that it doesn't even feel special. Yeah, and I think that's um, I think the word we use is ecumenical. Um, or there's mean? also like Catholic, um, and so there's differentiating between like capital C Catholic, which is Catholic Church, versus Catholic, which is more like universal. And so same thing. It's a it's just the idea that you know we should um, even if we have different maybe secondary values that we all kind of agree on the core things we should work together kind of thing um and that's important because otherwise you're kind of just isolated in your own thing but yeah there's always going to be that conflict because it's like some people are going to be like well they believe this thing and we don't and so should we even engage there's always going to be that issue some people are more willing to engage we were talking about this with relation to um evangelism right of like Feeling is, I mean, you could make the same argument that, like, in some ways, all developers have some shared sense of identity because you're all software developers, right? At, like, the highest level or something. Um, but then there's always these, like, weird turf wars about people and, like, the best tool to use, or the best language or whatever. And, and then they, like, can really, like, put down other people's choices and opinions because they, uh, they're just they're, they feel so strongly about whatever tool they use, and that's kind of weird because it's like, why would you not? I don't know. You're all kind of we're all kind of the same here, but then also not. Um... Yeah, I, it is really interesting because you know whether it's programming language or like all those tab spaces, all that stuff. It's like I don't know why we end up. I don't know. It's like the more you. It's almost like the more you go specific or local, there's also the same opportunity for you to kind of like start pushing people away. But then it's good to know what you like and it's good to know what you believe in as well. And so there's that balance of you shouldn't let your like, I guess, um, I don't know, appreciation for what you actually believe take over your um, level of, I don't know, grace that you should show people in when you're engaging and talking to people like it that shouldn't go beyond that yeah I can like agree to agree to disagree I agree to disagree way. yeah yeah I wonder if it's sort of like the uncanny valley thing of like yeah when theoretically two developers that do like really really similar stuff are going to argue more violently about the different the very small differences than people from like two totally different like I don't know there's more like infighting between like Christian denominations than there would be between non-interesting yeah yeah someone totally yeah that's really interesting um it's like we talk about um this is kind of like church health that goes into like spiritual health or like uh spiritual formation so like how you develop into being um a christian or a disciple of christ and so the problem there is the same thing it's a it's a, a question of measuring and so people want to do like, oh, I, you know, I go to church more than you, or like they start comparing or like I'm serving more, like all those things. And, or I know more about Christianity and say, like, oh, I've been a Christian for X years. So it's about like experience. Um, but actually that's not true at all because like you could even be a pastor and, and in some ways you don't know Christ as much as other people because um, you haven't experienced it. And so I, I guess I was trying to say that before, but it's like uh, experiencing God is different from like reading about God or or like spending all your, all your time doing it. It's like it's weird. It's like really hard to to um, 
just think about um, when it's like something you have to live out. Um, in the even in the Bible, like we talk about the Pharisees, which are the people that um, they know a lot about the Bible, they know a lot about laws. But the problem with them was that they ended up caring so much about laws that they would all they would do is call out people that they didn't follow the rules, that kind of thing. Um, this is obviously true in anything, even now. And for us, it's like, how do we learn to kind of show that, you know, we're just like everyone else too. So when you end up knowing more than someone, you're not going to like look on, look down on people for not knowing it, but you're going to help them get to where they are versus like only, you know, say negative things about what people are dealing with. Kind of goes back to this idea of like being an eternal student or I don't know, committing yourself to the process versus being like, I figured it out and now I'm going to go like tell everyone else what I think, um, which is just a good practice for humans in general. Yeah, practicing humility and yeah, I like especially for spirituality, it's like the whole point of like being Christian is to say that it wasn't you. And so it's funny because the more you learn there's that kind of, not risk, but like there's a chance that if you don't actually understand that well, then you're going to look back and be like, oh, I learned all this. I'm so good, like all these things. And it'll come out in those ways, um, you know, even through evangelism or whatever. And like when you're doing evangelism to people or talking about it, and then people are like, oh, all you're doing is telling me that I'm bad and that you're good. And that's not the point. But it's it can be hard for people to like know that and understand that. I really like what you had said to me about, like, the idea of, like, uh, you don't need to, like, actively convince someone. You should just, like, be the model person that you're aspiring to or whatever. Just, like, live it out through the things that you're doing versus, like, telling someone that they should be doing something that way. And it's just, like, so much more effective, I think, when you're showing versus telling. Um, yeah, I... I, I guess I wouldn't say that telling is necessarily wrong because maybe, you know, that's what that person needs. But I think that's where we would use the word discernment. You have to know, like, that person. And in order to know that person, you should probably, like, actually know that person, like, through a relationship versus, like, kind of, you know, there's, like, street evangelism and all that stuff. Like, they don't know who you are. They're probably never going to see you ever again. And, you know, maybe that that is okay for those people. But for me personally, I would rather, like, I guess, develop a relationship with someone over time and I mean, it's it's going to be way harder because you're like basically saying that for the foreseeable future, you're going to be like engaging with someone and just knowing them and helping them or whatever that is um, for your whole life, I guess. And and that's going to be like that's just something you have to commit to. Um, but yeah, you're right. It's going to be way more effective because it shows that you actually care about them versus just kind of like just saying words. I think it also. Um, lowers these barriers around in-group, out-group thinking because if you're telling someone, that means you're you're also sort of acknowledging that they're not they're not the same as you. Um, like that's why I need to tell you why like my way is so much better. But if it's more about developing a relationship or just sort of like living your values and your principles, and it's there's some underlying subtle thing there I think that suggests like we're all kind of the same and like. I'm not, I'm not any better than you. I'm not doing anything really, any, anything differently, but, um, yeah, this is something I really liked about Quakerism because it was, it was always about like, I don't know, there was just never any like hard lines between like who is or isn't. It was more about, uh, 
if everyone has like God within them, then everyone has, we're all, yeah, we're all just like, it just played out in these, like the, I think the values in Quakerism are just like very egalitarian for that reason. Um, yeah. And I, that's what I like also about just the idea of like being an, an eternal student and never really like thinking of yourself as having mastered anything. Yeah. I mean, I guess even with thinking about studying Christianity, um, you know, we have, we even have colleges for studying God, like there's seminary and all those things. And I think it is a lifelong pursuit and even like being okay with like reading the same thing over and over because you're going to gain new insight from the same thing or talking about the same things over and over. Because those problems, a lot of those problems might not go away. And I think one of the, I think you mentioned this in previous conversations about how like there's a certain mystery to it. And even though in our age it's all about like knowledge and science and like kind of instant wanting to know the answer, there's, I think there's something special or interesting about not knowing and maybe never really understanding it completely, um, but knowing it like truly and um, that we can know, but we, we might not know it exhaustively. I think that's really good. It's the value of documenting everything you're learning and in public to me also because it don't I don't know it just seems like it almost makes it necessary to be like if the whole point is a process and everything is a lifelong process then it's really important that I'm documenting that process in a way that other people can learn from wherever they're at because I'm never going to just be done and then publish a thing where I'm like look I figured it out here it is um, I really struggle with that if like just all the like open source research that I'm doing now because I think when I came in I was really I just felt like, all right, the problem is really obvious, which means like we should really like just figure out an answer. But um, the more I dig into it, the more I'm like, oh, I'm like that's just like really, really complicated. And in general, I think with research, not just mine, but just in, in general, it's like you're kind of exploring these questions that you just don't really have answers to, and you're just gonna have to keep like probing at. But so if you're never gonna arrive at the answer, then it's all you can really do to show progress or to show that you are actively thinking about things is to like record it. Um, but that's also something I think I've lifted from open source and just like the importance of like, you don't have to like make a thing. You don't have to make like the best tool ever and then like put it out there. Just like along the way, just like put your stuff out there and publish it. Yeah. I think that goes back to what we said about how with software in general or open source, it's never done. And and I think people forget that the maintainers are just people that are trying to improve on something um, versus like having a finished product. And same thing with your faith as well. It's, it is never going to be done. Um, and we should look to that as a source of, I guess, inspiration and versus like a sense of dread. Um, it kind of reminds me of, uh, I, I had this sermon at our church like two weeks ago. The title was actually Holy Inefficiency. Which is a really interesting title. Um, but it was just talking about in our current age, it's all about like information and, you know, notifications and overload of too much information, not too less. And so there's a rush to like kind of know everything. And we kind of lost the sense of, you know, what does it mean to like rest and to take breaks? Um, to just enjoy being alive and learning things. Um, in the process of like all this, you know, efficiency and 
doing things just like in with the algorithmic way it's like it almost feels like non-human like we're trying to turn into robots and so he used this analogy which is really funny because it works for people that are our generation um he, he mentioned pokemon so he said he like grew up playing pokemon and in the game uh you start off by walking everywhere and the first time you encounter a pokemon you're like wow there's a pidgey or whatever it is and you catch it or something and everything, everything that you do in the beginning is like very like, I don't know, like awe inspiring or just like cool. But then eventually you get like a bike. And after you do that, you'll never go back to walking ever again because you know that I want to get to the end. It gets, it turns into like wanting to complete the game versus just like kind of having fun during the game. Mm-hmm. Like every time you exit, uh, like a house, you, you turn on the bike button or whatever, you zoom off to wherever you're going. And then even funnier is later you, you get, you learn the fly ability. And so now you don't have to bike anywhere. You'll just fly directly to the place that you're trying to go to. And it reminds me of every, all the new video games where there's like a fast travel mode where you can like kind of teleport wherever you want. And then, um, yeah, the game is literally just grinding through the game. Um, and same with life. It's like all we're doing is just like trying to get to this end. And at the end of it, like you don't feel, you feel really empty actually. You set, you lost a sense of like the enjoyment and wonder of doing something that you enjoy. And same with open source. So maybe it's all about like how many downloads you have and how many PRs that you whatever and how many contributors. And at the end, you're like, I don't even know if I want to do this anymore. That's deep. <laughs> yeah, it's too real. That's why. <laughs> too real. Too real. The Pokemon part in particular. Um, is the term holy inefficiency the idea that it's almost like a holy day of rest or, or intentionality about being inefficient? Is that the idea? Um, I think there are multiple parts to it. So he used this passage um, where he's talking about Mary and Martha. And um, and so one of them was kind of washing the dishes, basically, you'd say. And then the other one was kind of washing Jesus' feet. And so she was like, hey, why don't you help me in the kitchen? Because we have to like get stuff done. The other person is just like, being with Jesus, like in relationship. And so his point was that, you know, you can spend your whole life, you know, in terms of this is spirituality, like in terms of like, you can go to seminary and study about God. You can read about God. You can read, you can listen to podcasts about God. Um, you can talk about him, like all these things. And yet in the end, do you, like, you might not actually know him at all because you turned it into like this kind of like game where, there's a number attached to it versus like what washing someone's feet. That's a very like different thing from accomplishing all these things. And so it's like, how do we remember what it means to like know someone um, and to know them? Well, we would use the word intimacy, right? Um, and so that's something that um, that we should be doing. And so I think his point with the inefficiency part is that to to be in relationship is actually to be inefficient. You actually, you don't want to like meet someone and then only talk to them for five minutes because you're like, oh, I need to like go on with the rest of my day or whatever. But it's like, if you like them and you want to know them more, so if it's God or another person, then you're going to want to be inefficient, right? Quote, inefficient. You want to stay there as long as possible. You want to just talk about whatever. Maybe you just be like what you said in silence. You're just like there, uh, waiting. Um, I think, uh, one of the most important things that we can do as a Christian is to wait, um, which is 
I think it's really interesting because that is the opposite of what we would want to do as people. And um, or if you don't know, guys, same thing. It's like we we have this urge to want to like do something because like we feel guilty or we feel like if I don't do anything, nothing's gonna happen. But that it, you're implying that God can't move, that He can't work in your life. Um, and so we're called to be uh, people that wait um, on a king, um, which is like very, I don't know, like weird metaphors to talk about. But um, like, you know, it's like the phrase that we would use is awaiting the king. Yeah. Mm. I like that. I've definitely noticed that with uh, just relationship building and with work stuff where like and I think maybe this is just to some extent like a natural trajectory as you start to get to know more people and just feel more comfortable with the people you do and don't want to talk to um but like if you just have a day filled with like one hour meetings with a zillion people like it's actually like pretty exhausting in the end and you could say like by this one measure is to you know meet as many people as possible and like you have all these meetings but like it doesn't actually feel that good in the end and you don't build like deep lasting relationships and so now i've tried to be just a lot more unstructured about um it means like saying no to more people which is like i guess a trade-off but then also like if there is someone that i'm really looking forward to getting to know or talking to like not having it feel like this has to be a one hour thing and like at the end of this coffee like i need to go off and go to my other one hour thing but instead just like have it be a little bit more open a little more unstructured um and yeah, I feel like you end up when you're not thinking about it as like, oh, it's, you know, 1159 and now I need to go. Um, you, like all the like interesting like chatter just like comes about more naturally when you're you're willing to just like give it up. But like, yeah, I mean, if you asked me that like a few years ago, it would have been like, oh, I, I don't have time to spend like two and a half hours talking to someone like I need to go do other things. But uh, yeah, trying to and I still, am, you know, I still struggle with this a lot, but um, just trying to be more comfortable with the idea that just don't look at the clock and just enjoy the person that you're spending time with. Um, but it's harder. I was thinking about that. And I was thinking about, um, a friend of mine described a friend of his, I don't think it was his description, but he has a friend who's known for being, as he put it, uh, very good at resting. And it's like mm. such a weird way to describe someone that like he's good at resting, not, not in terms of like, meditating or like doing some active thing but just like literally just sitting there with like his eyes closed and like not doing anything um, which is just, like a funny thing for me to imagine uh, but I've been trying to like think about it and like the stuff I I do day to day now too where like sometimes like I'll have a good like couple hours where I'm getting stuff done and then kind of wrap up my big thing and then and then you know I kind of like take a little break before I do something else and normally I think I would just like go on Twitter or something or check my email or something but now I'm just like I want to be good at resting too. And I'm just like sitting there and just like being in the moment. It actually is like really, really nice. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's like, it's like we also have to find a reason, like something you have to be doing while you're waiting or something. It's like you have an active resting activity, but like to just actually just like sit there and like stare out the window for a little bit is like really, really nice. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, yeah, I think it's like we want to learn to push back on this sense of like hustling and like, especially in like a city yeah. like New York or San Francisco, like having to always do things or, but in the startup culture, it's all about like, you know, you know, pivoting and doing all this stuff. And open source, it might not be like that um, 
from other people, but internally it might be like, oh, I need to keep moving forward. I remember like when I was doing it not at, when I was just doing it outside of work. For some reason, I always felt like uh, it was like another job to me where I was like, I needed. I have a certain expectation for how this thing should move forward, even though I obviously knew that I didn't have a lot of time. I don't know why. I just felt like I assumed I had like eight hours a day to do it, uh, and then we're not getting there. So I always like had to push myself. So it's like it's not bad to like want to move forward, and you know, perfectionism and all that stuff can be helpful. But when it turns into just like I don't know, just restlessness, I think that is. That can be really detrimental, and that's why we have burnout and all that.、Um, I think what you said, learning to not do anything, is good, and it really is a skill,、um, especially in our day where, you know, if you're in line for something or you're on subway or whatever, you always have to like do something, learn something, get better at something. But maybe we should get better at not doing anything. That is something to value almost.、Um, I think that should is expressed well in faith, at least in Christianity, where like. Literally, God, like when we read about like the creation story in the seventh day, He like rested. And if we believe that God is like a powerful God that can do whatever, He still decided to rest. So it doesn't mean that He was like tired. He actually rested because He enjoyed it. He wanted to enjoy what He made. There's a sense of like pride that He had in that. And so we we can do that too. We should have a sense of enjoyment in the thing that we've done over the past week. Where yeah, you shouldn't have to work. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to continue the conversation, you can find us on Twitter at LeftPad or Nyafia, or on our website, HopeInSource.com.